All right, let's go to James, okay? James chapter 3 this evening. James chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. You ready? It's November. Y'all know that? Okay. November is normally a month that uh, we've set aside to show some thankfulness, right? Okay, good. Okay, just make sure you're with me. All right. Usually, we're thankful for something. Okay, so towards the end, we take up prayer requests. I want you to think of something you're thankful for, okay? And we're going to try to do this every Wednesday through Thanksgiving. Something you're thankful for. And just a quick, I'm talking about quick, just two seconds thing. Tell me what you're thankful for, all right? So I'm going to give you roughly 20, 30 minutes to think about that. So I'll give you a heads up, okay? So, so there you go. There's your warning. All right, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, this evening's where we'll be. And we're going to be in verses 13 through 18 in just, in just a moment. And as we've come to James chapter 3, we looked at a couple Wednesdays ago of um, the, one of the main subjects, at least dealing in this chapter, but really probably uh, at least a famous subject in the entire book of James. And that was dealing with the, starts with a T, ends with an ung. Tongue, that's right. Good job. I'm glad y'all listened last time. But anyway, so I was dealing with the tongue. But that's not all that James chapter 3 deals with. You see, as we come to the end of James chapter 3, in verses 13 through 18, it seems that James is really highlighting this subject, the subject of wisdom. And I don't think it's uh, disconnected from uh, tongues and from our speech and how we and how we talk because listen if we as individuals struggle with our tongues meaning we speak out of turn or say things we shouldn't say if we gossip about one another or speak evil one of another I would dare say that uh, if we do that that's a good indication that we're probably not operating in wisdom and so no doubt these are tied together. But let's consider that subject and these verses this evening on the subject of wisdom and dealing, it, dealing with it rather in verses 13 through 18. So look at it with me, James chapter 3, and look at verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Our Father, as we look to your word this evening, I pray again that you would speak to our hearts and Lord, help me to teach, to preach your precious word because without you, I know, can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we consider this subject this evening and this text this evening, the first thing I want to take note of is this. Number one, consider the definition of wisdom. So what is it? What is wisdom? Uh, sometimes when you begin defining terms, uh, sometimes it's good to know what that term is not, all right? So understand this evening when we speak of wisdom, we are not talking about just mere knowledge. You see, knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. Though they are related, they are not synonymous, okay? You see, having knowledge of a subject 
does not make that person wise in that subject. Now, let me prove it with you by a person's name. Anybody ever heard the name Karl Marx? Pretty bad dude, you know. In case you don't know who that is, he is the father of modern communism, which again, communism, communism bad. All right, okay, just so you know. But he's the father of modern communism. But did you, did you know, as, though we know him as a wicked man, a God-hater, an, an atheist individual, did you know that early on in his young adult life, he had several passages and even chapters and even books of the Bible memorized? Did you know that? You see, he had a lot of knowledge when it comes to the Word of God, yet he was not very wise in the Bible. I say all that to say this, sometimes because someone is knowledgeable does not mean that that person is wise in that subject. So wisdom is not mere knowledge, nor is it mere intellect, meaning it's not just because you're smart, meaning you're wise. Now I'm sure you know some very intelligent people. Maybe you know some folks who are borderline geniuses. Anybody know somebody like that? All right, a couple of you do? Okay. Uh, very smart individuals, because someone is smart does not necessarily make them wise. They may know, may, they may, uh, know how to uh, build and program a computer, but they may not even know how to wash their own clothes, you know what I mean? Uh, we say they're not the brightest tool or brightest uh, bulb in the box or sharpest tool in the shed, you know. Very smart, but eh, not very wise. So understand, we're talking about wisdom. Wisdom is not just because you're smart. Wisdom does not mean that you have just knowledge, but what is it? Well, wisdom is this. Wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge. Wisdom is taking the knowledge you know and learn and then applying it, I think here's the key word, applying it correctly. It would be like this. It'd be like this, you, you know how to use a gun. You have knowledge of a firearm, but wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it holstered, all right? Uh, that's knowledge versus, versus wisdom. There's a, there's a difference there. So it would seem that the biggest difference when you look at knowledge, someone being knowledgeable and someone being wise, is the simple word of application. So that's the quick definition when it comes to what is Wisdom. Then when we come to our text, I see two different types of wisdom here. And you can see that in verses 15 through 17. All right, The Bible says this, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, Ease being treated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteous is sown in peace, and of them that make, that make peace. James is talking about two different types of wisdom here. There is a wisdom that he speaks of that comes from God. We'll deem this one the spiritual wisdom, all right? And then there's another wisdom of this world, and we'll deem that one the sensual wisdom. And just so you know, from the very get-go, any wisdom that does not come from God, listen, is destined to fail. God is the all-wise, as the Bible says, all-wise God. But let's look at these two different uh, wisdoms as he puts it here. 
in our text. And the first one is this. Take note of our, uh, this one, sensual wisdom. All right. Now, the sensual wisdom would come from that natural and fallen state of mankind. Uh, it is a wisdom that would be generated by the reasoning fallen mind of man and that is completely devoid of the Spirit of God. And since sensual wisdom is devoid of God, that is why I believe James says and describes it as devilish. And this word devilish here in, verse, in verses number 15, this word means a resembling or a proceeding from an evil spirit or to be demon-like. Basically, it's this. This is what he's getting at. This sensual, worldly type of wisdom, it's demonic. It's demonic. And that's kind of straightforward, but that's what he's getting at. And a good example of this sensual wisdom would be found in the first book of our Bible in Genesis chapter 3. Let me read these verses to you. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in a day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Uh, look, it was in this text, in, the, in Genesis chapter 3, it is here that Satan successfully deceived Adam and Eve through his devilish wisdom. Wisdom. You see, in his reasoning, he convinced Eve that God was withholding good things from them. And that God was being unfair to them. And that if she ate of the fruit, she would be like God himself and have all kinds of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. But the wisdom, the reasoning that he used, the wisdom that she believed was just a wisdom that was full of lies and Deceit, it was a wisdom that was sensual, that was of this world, and as James said, it's devilish. And listen, this world's wisdom is a demonic wisdom that is to confound and confuse you and me. But God's wisdom is not that way. God is not the author of confusion. His wisdom will never confound or confuse you. He wants you to know and no truth, but the devil is quite the opposite. And so he puts out and portrays that sensual wisdom. And James says, it's devilish, it's earthly. And then there's a second one, there's a spiritual wisdom. Now whereas the sensual wisdom originates from the devil himself, true spiritual wisdom that comes from above, originates with God himself. And this is where all true wisdom begins, by the way. The Bible says this in Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. 
Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So if we need real true wisdom, we must go to the Lord and His Word first. And to lean on anything else for wisdom would be just plain foolish. No matter how enticing that other source of wisdom may be. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You need wisdom this evening, you go to God. You need wisdom this evening, you go to his word. To get our wisdom from any other source other than God, from God's word, is to ask for trouble. I like what one commentator said. He said, there is no need to get the counterfeit wisdom of this world. The wisdom that caters only to the flesh is accomplished by the work of the devil. He said this, get your wisdom from God. And I say, amen, amen to that. So know what wisdom is, all right? And know there's two different types of wisdom. But here this evening is where I really want to get to. I want to get to this. How do I know which wisdom I'm operating in? So number three, discerning my wisdom. How do I know which wisdom I am responding to? How do I know which wisdom I am operating in? This is the application process of this text. What wisdom am I operating in? How wise am I really being? Am I being someone who operates in a sensual type of wisdom or am I being spiritual? Am I operating in a wisdom that would be considered devilish or am I operating in a wisdom that is from above? Well, those are good questions, and James gives us the answer. Look at look in our text, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For our envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, ease being treated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So since there are two types of wisdom, and by the way, these wisdoms are contrary one to another, that means they operate in uh, definite opposite ways. And since they operate in two different ways, then that means you will see different characteristics from those two different types of wisdom. And James gives us, he lists some characteristics that contrast the two wisdoms, all right? And so the first wisdom, of course, we want to see again is essential wisdom, but there are characteristics that come with it. And it's kind of a fruit, if you will, of the sensual wisdom. And if these, this fruit or this uh, characteristic is um, part of your life, in your life, it could be a good indicator that you're operating, you're, you're responding to a sensual wisdom, which, by the way, is a devilish wisdom. But what's the first characteristic he gives about sensual wisdom? All right, number one, bitter envying in verse 14. He says bitter e envying. Now, what is this? Well, the phrase here carries the idea of someone who has a selfish ambition, but it's also coupled with zeal. You see, this world's wisdom teaches this. It teaches to promote yourself. Uh, that you're as good as anybody else, if not better, and you deserve this or you deserve that. I don't, just my two cents here, take it for what it is. 
I don't love the word deserve. I really don't. Because when, when you boil it all down, you know what you and I deserve? Hell. That's right. Absolutely. As the old country preacher said, deserve hell, my broke back. <laughs> or my broke, my back broke. There we go. I'm a little dyslexic tonight. But, but he says, that's what I deserve. That's what we all deserve. So I don't love that word. But the world promotes that kind of uh, ambition, that selfish ambition. You deserve this. You deserve that. And that's what this world would teach and push a selfish envy. But this type of wisdom that produces selfish envy, bitter envying, does nothing but exalt man and rob God of his due glory. Let me ask you a question. Do you see this kind of fruit from your reasoning, from your wisdom? If you don't know, if you operate that way or see bitter envying, then a quick test is this, to see if we operate with this kind of wisdom. Is this question. Here's a test and a question. How many of you love tests? Me neither. Okay. But here's your test. And it comes in the form of a question. How do I respond when I see others succeed? Do I have secret envy and criticism? Or do I rejoice with them? How about when I see others fail? Am I burdened for them or am I glad about it? When you see others fail and you're glad about it, it could be there's some bitter envying in that heart and you're operating on essential wisdom. If you see others succeed and you're just mad about it and you're just envious about it and you give them all kind of criticism, I can't believe they got that. I can't. Yeah, it could be you're operating on essential wisdom. What's another characteristic of that type of wisdom? Number two, strife. Again, you can see that in verse number 14. And I found it interesting in my study that as, as I looked up this word, this word here is used in the New Testament, for, uh, New Testament times for a Greek politician who would be out canvassing for votes. It's kind of interesting. But this is the type of spirit of self-seeking. It would be that type of spirit that does nothing but cause strife and contention. And listen, this strife never brings about unity, only brings about rivalry. And it only brings about pitting one person against another person. And by the way, the devil loves that, just so you know. He loves rivalry. He loves pitting people against each other, especially within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why, again, James paints this type of wisdom as devilish, earthly, and sensual. But to combat that kind of wisdom, here's some good spiritual wisdom. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let me ask you, can strife be seen as a consistent characteristic or fruit in your reasoning or wisdom? If so, it could be you're operating in a sensual wisdom. Okay, number three, quickly. You also see this glorying here in verse number 14 or boasting, all right? Now, this means more than just saying what you, what you can do, I can do better type of thing, all right? Or rather, this glorying, this boasting goes so far as to boast oneself to injure another person or, an, uh, or something else, meaning you will ruin someone else's character or name or life if that means you will get ahead in life. Again, promoting yourself. Above others. This type of wisdom 
is devilish. It's sensual. And that's a characteristic of it. What's another one? All right, number four, deceit. Again, this is that part in verse 14 when it says, Lie not against the truth. Uh, Listen, this sensual wisdom of this world will be full of lies and devoid of truth. And if that's the case in our life, guess what's going to be evident of it? Being deceitful. Just like the devil himself. That's why this wisdom is devilish. It's demonic. So if we're consistently operating this way, this is a consistent fruit of our life in producing and in our, in our, from our reasoning and from our wisdom, then guess what? That's a good indicator. It could be operating in a sensual wisdom. But what about the spiritual side? What about the other, other contrasting wisdom that we would say is spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above? What are those characteristics? All right, number one. The characteristics of a godly wisdom, a spiritual wisdom, wisdom that comes from above, number one, in verse 17 you'll find these. Number one, it is first pure. Now this word carries the idea of being chaste. It carries the idea of being free from defilement. And James would use this word again in James chapter 4 and verse number 8 when he says to purify your hearts. Listen, where man's wisdom will lead to a life of immorality, God's wisdom will lead to a life of purity. And again, which one would be more evident in our lives? One that would be more immoral or one that would be more pure? Which wisdom are we operating in? Another characteristic of the wisdom from above is this one, number two, peaceable. Again, verse number 17. Peaceable, meaning wisdom that leads to a peacefulness. Now, again, this is in stark contrast to the strife and contention that the worldly wisdom would teach and produce. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. In Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Listen, if people are continually always operating in some kind of earthly or sensual wisdom, they will not find peace. They will not be operating in peace whatsoever. Why? Because peace comes from the prince of peace. It comes from God. And if you want that, well, then start operating in a godly wisdom. Another characteristic of a spiritual wisdom would be this. Number three, again from verse 17, gentleness. This means that God's wisdom points to someone who is mild, who is patient. Someone, as one commentator put it, who is sweetly reasonable. I like that. Sweetly reasonable. Now, when you, when you see the word gentle and gentleness, do not get confused of an individual who would be considered sissified. Is that a word? It is tonight, okay. That's not what gentleness means. Of all the people who ever walked this earth, the most gentle person was no doubt the Lord Jesus Christ, our gentle Savior. But he was a man. Um, you would not call him sissified, a man who would take a, a cord, uh, uh, basically a whip, and beat people out of the temple and flip over tables. Would you look at that guy and say, man, there goes a sissy. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> but he was gentle. You see, this word gentleness here 
would be someone who would not deliberately cause fight, but also will not be someone who backs down and compromise on a truth just to keep peace either. But he's gentle. Then there's this, number four, easy to be entreated. Again, verse number 17. What is this? What does that mean? Well, this means that God's wisdom will make a person who, is, who will be easy to live with or to work with. Now, again, this does not insinuate this person is a pushover, but rather he can be a person who, who you can disagree with without being disagreeable. Does that make sense? All right. Well, I'm sure we've met people we may have disagreed with, and they are very much disagreeable. You ain't want to be around them. Okay? But someone who is easy being treated, you can disagree with them without being disagreeable. Meaning this individual will be willing to listen to all sides of a question, but will not compromise his own convictions. He's easy to be entreated. And then you can see this, number five, an uh, individual who's operating in uh, the wisdom from above will be full of mercy. Again, verse 17. Now, to be full of something means you will be controlled by and when Paul commanded the Ephesian believers to be filled with the Spirit, he is saying you need to be controlled by the Spirit. Again, same idea. Here, an individual who is following God's wisdom is going to be a person who is controlled by God's mercy. At Luke 6, 36, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Let me ask you a question. Are you a person who extends the hand of mercy? Are you a merciful person? If so, you could be operating in the wisdom of God. Number six, we see this in verse 17, full of good fruits. You know, many times people uh, falsely think if they follow God, they operate in God's wisdom, then they'll be empty and have nothing. But it's actually quite the opposite. You see, God's wisdom does not make a life empty. It absolutely makes it full of the right kind of things and good things. As the Bible says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Full of good fruits. What's another one? All right, number seven, without partiality, meaning without uncertainty. You see, this word here suggests a singleness of mind. Not a double-minded man, as James talked about in James chapter number 1, but a single-minded man. You see, when we lean on the world's wisdom, we will be pressured from all sides to always changing our mind, to always finding a new viewpoint, to constantly always change and conform to what this world wants. And if you do not believe me, then just flip through the different news channels on your television. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Actually, don't do that. I don't want you to go to bed discouraged tonight, okay? So don't do that. <laughs> but, but it's constantly always there to change our mind, to change our viewpoint, always, always. And it's, it'll drive you nuts. But if you operate in the wisdom that is from above, we have God's wisdom, we will not have to waver our convictions. We will not have to waver the truth, why? Because God operates in truth and truth never changes. Amen. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. And then lastly, we can see this characteristic of a wisdom from above, and it's this one, number eight, without hypocrisy. Again, you can see that in verse number 17. 
And this word hypocrisy means one who wears a mask. One who is an actor. And listen, whenever you find someone who is pretending, who is hiding, who is scheming, you can be sure that person is operating in this world's wisdom. Because that is not God's wisdom. No, God's wisdom is truthfulness, honesty, sincerity. God's wisdom is without hypocrisy. There's a lot of different characteristics there. I went through them quite quickly this evening. But my question to all of us is, as we look at wisdom and how we operate in wisdom and and how we try to use our reasoning, which one is it? Would it be considered one that's sensual? Or would it be considered one that's spiritual? If you don't know which one it is, look again at these characteristics that James lists, and you'll find out which one. But I'm asking God to help us all operate in a wisdom that is from above, a wisdom that comes from God, a spiritual wisdom. There's enough Christians out there that are operating in sensual wisdom and carnal wisdom. Enough of that. God help us be believers who follow the Lord and operate 